In Psalm 89, verses 35 to 37, we are reminded about God's promise to the line of David. This morning, I want to reflect for just a moment on this messianic psalm as a jumping off point of sorts. Psalm 89 and verse 35, once for all, the Lord says, I have sworn by my holiness and I will not lie to David that his line will continue forever and his throne endure before me like the sun. It will be established forever like the moon, the faithful witness in the sky. The character of God guarantees all his promises. His holiness sets him apart. The Lord is righteous and just. The Lord is eternally consistent in all that he does. Psalm 89 reiterates the promise that God had made far and through the line of David in 2 Samuel 7 and verse 16. He said that David's seed would be eternal and that his throne would be established forever. Since God said it, you could bank on it. Only the Lord's promise among his people might have fallen into some measure of doubt. By the time of Advent, Israel had no reigning king from the line of David for 600 years. The Hebrew people had been under the reign of Babylon, then Persia, then Syria, followed by Rome. Yet in Luke 1, 32 to 33, the angel Gabriel links the coming of the Christ child to the promise that Psalm 89 affirms. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Those words are in part the reason Paul could later say in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 that all the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Christ Jesus. The promise of God concerning the Davidic line most definitely takes shape at Christmas with Jesus' coming. Even now, Jesus reigns as the eternal king at the Father's mighty right hand. But friends, let me ask you not to fail to consider the cost of that promise. And so there is the how of his promise. Isaiah 7 verse 14 foretold that a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son whom she would call Emmanuel. And further, Isaiah 11 verse 1 makes clear that the Messiah would come from the line of David. Once again, the fulfillment of the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Christ Jesus. Gabriel tells Mary in Luke 1 verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Mary then asks, how can this be? I am still a virgin. Only the Lord does not reveal to Mary 
all the intricate details of how. My former seminary professor, Dr. Dale Davis, tells the story about a newly ordained pastor and his young wife, and they found themselves having some marital conflict. Over the course of some counseling, they committed to be more considerate to one another. He promised to respect her privacy, not to look through her dresser drawers any longer. She promised no longer to comment when one of his sermons was especially boring. <laughs> For 50 years, they remained true to their word. And then it so happened that on their 50th wedding anniversary, their children decided to throw them a party and they received a number of presents. And as the party had ended and he was looking at a drawer that was partially opened, where she had placed some of the gifts they received, he could not help but dig a little deeper. And he found in that dresser drawer three eggs and $10,000. He was perplexed. He went to her and he asked, why are there three eggs in your dresser drawer? And she said, well, for every poor sermon that you preached, I decided to put an egg in the drawer. And he was delighted. He thought to himself, 50 years and only three eggs. That's wonderful. And then he said, but what about the $10,000? And she said, well, every time I got a dozen eggs, I sold them. <laughs> I've started going through my wife's drawers. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's best that we don't know everything. And to be honest with you, sometimes God draws a veil of mystery over his promises because we're not capable of understanding everything. The mystery of the virgin birth the mystery of Christ's dual nature is fully God and fully man. The mystery of the cross. The mystery of unanswered prayer. The mystery of our suffering. Perhaps then God does not reveal everything to us. He just wants for us to trust and to worship him. And that leads to the what associated with God's promise. One of the greatest stories of courage ever told emerges from Mary's three-word response to the angel Gabriel. Let it be, she says, I am the handmaid of the Lord. With great humility, Mary opens herself up to God's will, submits to God's plan, even though she hardly knows any of the details. But lest we allow familiarity with the Christmas story to set in, hear me when I say that Mary reminds us to count the cost of God's promise. Mary has to count the cost behind the messianic promises of Psalm 89, behind the promises of Isaiah chapter 7. 
to live within God's promise. Think about what Mary had to do. Mary had to be willing to sacrifice her relationship with Joseph. Mary had to be willing to sacrifice her reputation. For all she knew, Mary would have been deserted and she would have been despised. From Matthew chapter 1, we can ascertain that Joseph contemplates putting her away. From John 8, verse 41, we might surmise that the Jews referenced Jesus as a bastard child. And that speaks to Mary's reputation. The redemption story involves real history. It involves real acts of God, and it involves real people counting the cost of faith. Again, my seminary professor writes in the benediction in Hebrews 13, 20 to 21, there is one part that asks that God may do in us what pleases him. And Dr. Davis says, I have always found that a bit scary because who knows what all it is that may please our God? Who knows what God may take us through? So this Christmas, I would tell you to be careful of the promises that find their yes and their amen in Jesus. You see, to follow the Christ child who was born in accord with all of these promises, it might require of us the same kind of courage that the Virgin Mary showed. It might come at the cost of some relationships. It might come at the cost of our reputations. No matter what, the words, let it be. I am a servant of the Lord. It will involve our counting the cost. Are we careful of the promise that we sing about during the Christmas season and what it truly means to trust and worship the King? Are we willing to count the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. I pray that we are, and I ask that you pray with me. Lord Christ, yes, you came, and you fulfilled the promises of old. And yes, you reign, and you are the eternal king who will come again. And during this time between your first coming and your return, there is a cost that we must count. What are we willing to do for your glory, Jesus? I pray that you will find us faithful. Be glorified here among your people, Lord Jesus, I pray in your name. Amen. If you would, I would ask that you stand and let us sing together.
It came upon the midnight clear, hymn 188. We will sing stanzas one, two, and four. So as you're able, let us stand and sing. 